السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله قال رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم زدنا علما All praise and thanks is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends And upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam Welcome to the 8th lesson of our fiqh of Ramadan And bi-idhnillahi ta'ala This will be our last lesson As inshallah through the will and the grace of Allah Azza wa Jal we should be completing our allotted ahadith tonight, bi-ithnillahi ta'ala. And tonight, inshallah, we'll be looking at the chapter of I'tikaf and the night prayer, Qiyamul Layl. And I'tikaf means to be in isolation in a masjid with the intention of solely dedicating your time to the worship of Allah Azza wa Jal. So I'tikaf, to spend time in the masjid with the intention of solely dedicating your time only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you cut yourself from the worldly matters. You're not going to sit on your phone during i'tikaf and worry what is happening in this chat group or what's happening on the news etc. But rather you are in ibadah and worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal. And the next definition with regards to Qiyam of Ramadan or Qiyamul Layl and this is the night prayer as well in the month of Ramadan outside the month of Ramadan and in Ramadan it is called Taraweeh. And also my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam what is important to know that with regards to prayer during Ramadan or during the nights of Ramadan, one aspect of this prayer is salah. Another aspect of this prayer is reciting Quran, it is making dua, it is making adhkar, etc., etc. And qiyamul layl, also the salah, it can be made individually or it can be made in congregation and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من قام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه متفق عليه أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه إن ريتت الله سبحانه وتعالى messenger informed us and he said that whomsoever prays من قام رمضان that whomsoever prays during the night of Ramadan, out of sincere faith and seeking its rewards from Allah Azza wa Jal. So the person, he stands during the nights of Ramadan in Salah and he only does this for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he does this so that he can gain as much rewards from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as possible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward the slave for standing in prayer and for remembering Allah azza wa jal. And the Prophet peace be upon him, he ends this hadith and he says, غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِ that all of his previous sins will be forgiven and we discussed previously what is meant by sins is it major sins or is it minor sins etc etc so we won't go into this again so this hadith my beloved brothers and sisters in islam it indicates that praying the night prayer during ramadan it expiates one's sin and the prayer in ramadan is called Salatu Taraweeh. Or some ulama, they call it, they just name it Qiyamul Layl. 
and know that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Prophet peace be upon him, he made 11 rak'ahs inside Ramadan and outside Ramadan. Aisha radiyallahu anha was asked, how was the prayer of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the month of Ramadan? She replied that ye Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he used to not pray more than 11 raka'ah whether in Ramadan or in any other month. Meaning, whether it was in Sha'ban, whether it was in Shawwal, Rabiul Awwal, Rabiul Thani, whatever month it was, including Ramadan, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he used to pray 11 raka'ah. He used to offer four raka'at, let alone the beauty and length. And then four raka'at, let alone the beauty and length. Meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he beautified his prayer and he lengthened his prayer. And after this, he would offer three raka'ah. And she said that, I said, oh Allah's messenger, do you go? This is the narrator of the hadith that asked Aisha the question. Abu Salama ibn Abdurrahman. He said, Oh Allah's, I said, Oh Allah's messenger, do you go to bed offering the witter? He said, My eyes sleep, but my heart does not sleep. This hadith is found in Bukhari. Umar radiallahu an, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, in the Khalifa of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an, he commanded Tamim ad-Dari and Ubay ibn Ka'b to make 11 raka'ahs. So what happened? We found that the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that maybe one or two, they were reading Salatul Taraweeh, they were reading Qiyamul Layl, one part of the masjid, the, a group of three or four reading in another part. So what does Umar ibn Khattab do? Umar ibn Khattab, he joins them, and he makes the imams, he makes them two imams. He selects Tamim ad-Dari, may Allah be pleased with him, and Ubay ibn Ka'b to lead the companions in 11 rak'ahs. So now you will find that there is this hadith that is mentioned in the Muwatta of Imam Malik where Umar radiallahu an commanded Tamim ad-Dari and Ubay ibn Ka'b to read 11 rak'ahs. There is another hadith that is attributed to Umar ibn Khattab as well where he said there is going to be 23 rak'ahs. The ulama, they differed on the authenticity of the hadith. Those that say that you will be making 11 rak'ahs, they say this hadith is weak. And they have proof for this. Those that say that we are making 23, etc., they deem the hadith sahih, and they have proof for that as well. However, with regards to 23 rak'ahs, the ulama, they base it on the hadith of Ibn Umar. The hadith of Abdullah Ibn Umar reads as follows. The Prophet, peace be upon him, performed the night prayer in pairs. Meaning, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he made the night prayers and the hadith mentions, mathna, mathna. So he made it in sets of two. And the hadith carries on and he made it meaning he made witter an odd number by observing one raka'ah or sometimes three or five, etc. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this hadith of Ibn Umar, of Abdullah Ibn Umar, proves that if a person increases his raka'at, whether it's inside of Ramadan or whether it's outside of Ramadan, then this is permissible. And this hadith is found in Bukhari and Muslim. So the ulama, they've explained that there is no problem in performing 23 raka'ah. However, following the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and that of the khulafa is best. And here I would like to highlight a point. That when it comes to 
the action of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So something that Muhammad peace be upon him that he did, then this carries more weight. So for example, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. That makes salah as if you have seen me made salah. So the actions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he lifted up his hands, when he made rafu yadain, how he made, how he made tahiyat, how he sat in the suju, in his tahiyat, etc. This carries more weight than the qawl, than the speech of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So here we find that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that he made 11 and that we should try to follow the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and make 11. Having said this, there are two groups, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, that have gone to extremes in this matter. The first group being those who denounces everyone who prays more than 11 rakahs. And they curse them and they make a huge issue out of this and they call them mubtadi'ah, etc, etc. They believe you can only make 11 rakahs. And they say that whoever increases more than 11 rakahs, this is a bid'ah. This is the first group. The second group are those who only make 23 rakahs. And they say that there is ijma, there is scholarly consensus, so you cannot make 11 rakahs. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Salatu Taraweeh, Qiyamul Layl, this is a sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is a sunnah. So for two groups to go into extremes, then this is not allowed in Islam. If someone decides that he's only going to make four rakahs, someone decides he's not going to pray tonight, he is not sinful. So how does one say that if someone makes more than 11, he's a mubtadi? And someone else says that if you do not make 23, then there's a problem with you. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us. This is a mas'ala of ijtihadiyya. This is a mas'ala where the scholars, they have differed. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us that which is correct. The next hadith. The virtues of the last ten nights of Ramadan. An Aisha radiyallahu anha qalat, kana rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, idha dakhala al-ashru ay, al-ashru al-akhir min Ramadan, shadda mi'zarahu wa ahya laylahu wa ayqadha ahlahu. Muttafakun alayhi. Aisha radiyallahu anha, she narrated that with the start of the last ten days of Ramadan, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he would tighten his waist belt. Yani, he would keep away from his wives. And he used to stay up during the night to pray. And he would also wake up his families, wake up his wives to pray and to recite Quran, etc. As hadith is agreed upon. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says that he used to tighten his waist belt. So some of the ulama, they say that this means that he would exert himself in the ibadah of Allah Azza wa Jal during the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Some of the ulama, and this seems to be a more correct opinion, Allahu A'lam, is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what is meant by this, that he would stay away from his wives and Allah knows best. Secondly, the hadith mentions that he would keep the night alive. Meaning he would spend the night in ibadah of Allah Azza wa Jal. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would stand up in qiyam, he would recite Quran. And this should be our way as well, that during the last 10 nights of Ramadan, split up your time. 
if it means that rather spend the day or a part of the day sleeping, but keep your night alive. Remember Allahu Azza wa Jal, and we will touch on this a bit later. And the third point of the hadith that the Prophet said that he woke up his family. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam during the last 10 nights of Ramadan he would wake up his families because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he knew the great benefit of what? He knew the great benefit of these last 10 nights of Ramadan. And this should be our approach as well. That we should wake up our families. If they are sleeping, wake up our wives. Wake up the children. Let them worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The next hadith deals with the ruling on i'tikaf. Again, narrated by Aisha radiyallahu anha. Anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal. أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يعتكف العشر الأواخر من رمضان حتى توفاه الله ثم اعتكف أزواجه من بعده متفق عليه عائشة رضي الله عنها شنريتت that Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم he used to perform i'tikaf during the last 10 days of Ramadan until he passed away صلى الله عليه وسلم and then his wives used to perform i'tikaf after his death. This hadith is agreed upon. So this hadith proves that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he made i'tikaf during the last 10 days of Ramadan. This hadith also proves that the wives of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam performed i'tikaf after the demise of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, there is a mas'ala that comes up quite regularly. Is it permissible for a female to make i'tikaf in her home? Is it permissible for a female to make i'tikaf in a home? I'tikaf, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, is only valid if it is done in the masjid. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says to the meaning of the verse, and do not have intercourse with them, meaning your wives, whilst you are in i'tikaf, yani confining oneself in a mosque for prayers and invocations, leaving the worldly activities. And then Allah says at the end of the verse, in the mosques. This is Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 187. Imam An-Nawawi, rahimallahu ta'ala, in his book Al-Majmu', he mentions that it is not correct for a man or a female. It is not correct for a male or a female to observe i'tikaf anywhere except that it be in a masjid. So yeah, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this is the answer to our question. That i'tikaf for a female cannot be done in a home, but it needs to be done in a masjid as well. The next hadith, again narrated by Aisha radiyallahu anha, قالت, كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا أراد أي يعتكف صلى الفجر ثم دخل معتكفه متفق عليه عائشة رضي الله عنها she says that whenever the Prophet peace be upon him intended to make i'tikaf he would pray the morning prayer and then he صلى الله عليه وسلم he would enter the place of his i'tikaf the place where he had prepared for his i'tikaf inside the mosque. Again, agreed upon. So because of this apparent meaning of the hadith, some of the pious predecessors were of the view that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he would enter his place of i'tikaf after fajr prayer, as the hadith mentioned. This was also the view followed by the scholars of the Lajna Ad-Daima, and this was the view of Sheikh bin Baz as well. Their view was that 
the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he would enter i'tikaf after Salatul Fajr. So they accepted this view as well. Majority of the ulama, and this includes the four imams, Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Ash-Shafi'i, and Imam Ahmad. May Allah be pleased with all of them. They were of the opinion, and this was the opinion of Jumhur ulama, majority of the scholars as well, that one, if one wants to observe i'tikaf during the last 10 days of Ramadan, then one is allowed to enter his place of i'tikaf before the sun sets on the night of the 21st night. Before the sun sets of the night of the 21st night. Shaykh Uthaymin rahimallahu ta'ala was asked in a fatwa, what does or when does i'tikaf begin? The Shaykh rahimallahu ta'ala, he replied and he said that majority of the ulama, they are of the opinion that i'tikaf should begin on the night of the 21st, not from Fajr of the 21st. Although some of the scholars are of the view that i'tikaf should begin from Fajr of the 21st based on the hadith that we mentioned. Narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha, which is found in Bukhari, that when he, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, prayed Fajr, he entered his place of i'tikaf. But majority of the ulama, the majority of the ulama, they responded to this by stating that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he withdrew from the people in the morning, but the intention to observe the i'tikaf was performed at the beginning of the night. Because the last ten nights start when the sun sets on the twentieth, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. The next mas'ala that one will look at is when does one come out of i'tikaf? So now we know when i'tikaf starts, but when do we come out of i'tikaf? And the person should come out of i'tikaf when the sun sets on the last day of Ramadan. Shaykh Ibn Uthaymeen rahimallahu ta'ala was asked, when should a person come out of i'tikaf? He replied, he should come out of i'tikaf when Ramadan ends. And when does Ramadan end? Ramadan ends when the moon for the new month has been sighted. So the moon for the month of Shawwal has been sighted, then i'tikaf would end. So, the people, they went out to sight the moon. The moon was not sighted. You are going to fast the next day. You cannot leave now. Meaning, if you are on i'tikaf to complete your 10 days, you will be staying in the masjid for that extra night until the next day, and then you will leave, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the next hadith deals with the person that is in i'tikaf, the mu'atakif, is he allowed to leave the masjid? Can they leave the masjid? وَعَنْهَا قَالَتْ Again, narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha, إِنْ كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَا يُدْخِلُ عَلَيَّ رَأْسَهُ وَهُوَ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ Aisha radiallahu anha, she says, I'm going to translate piece for piece, that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would put his head into the window of my house. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was in the masjid performing i'tikaf. But as we know, the house of Aisha radiallahu anha was attached with the masjid as well. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would peep his head outside of the masjid into the house of Aisha radiallahu anha فَأُرَجِّلُهُ And she says that I would comb his hair. وَكَانَ لَا يَدْخُلُ الْبَيْتَ إِلَّا لِحَاجَةٍ إِذَا كَانَ مُعْتَكِفًا مُتَّفَكٌ عَلَيْهِ And she says that he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was in i'tikaf, he would not enter the house except for some need. And this was agreed upon, this hadith is, muttafakun alayh. 
My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, there's a few points to take home from this hadith. Point number one, that this hadith, it proves that the mu'atakif can have a portion of his body outside the masjid. So for example, he needs to get something and he puts his hand outside the window of the masjid and someone gives him something, this is fine. Point number two, that if the mu'atakif, the person who is observing i'tikaf, he goes out of the masjid, his i'tikaf is invalid because i'tikaf means staying in the masjid to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, before this raises some eyebrows, there is obviously an exception to the rule. So for example, if there is something that is unavoidable, for example, the brother, the sister, they need to make wudu. They need to perform ghusl. They need to get food because there is nobody that can bring food for them to the masjid and they needed to leave the masjid. So for example, we find certain masajid, the section to make wudu, the section to use the bathroom, the section where the showers is, is separate from the masjid. You need to walk outside to go here. Then this is permissible. Or for example, someone, there's a hajjah, he needs to get food, he cannot eat, and there's no food for him, and he maybe does not have any family, etc. He's allowed to go to the shop to buy him something to eat and return immediately back to the masjid. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, another point that we can derive from this hadith, and this is extremely important, is that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he took care whilst in i'tikaf with regards to combing his So if Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam combed his don't you think that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would have bathed as well, he would have washed himself as well? And this also proves that it is totally permissible, 100% that a believer that is in i'tikaf, a mu'atakif, that he can shower. We find that certain madhahib or certain groups and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring them back to that which is the truth, that certain groups or certain madhahib, they believe that if a person is in i'tikaf, he cannot shower at all. Subhanallah. After three, four days, imagine it is the heart of summer. What's going to happen in that masjid? What smells won't come out? So based on this, if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam allowed Aisha to comb his hair, what's still about? cleanliness. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he emphasized in many ahadith the importance of cleanliness. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that to bring us closer and bring us back to the Quran and the Sunnah as it was understood by the pious predecessors. Some of the rules of the person that is in i'tikaf. Again, وَعَنْ عَيْشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا السنة على معتكف ألا يعود مريضا ولا يشهد جنازة ولا ولا يمس امرأة ولا يباشرها ولا يخرج لحاجة إلا لما لا بد له منه ولا اعتكاف إلا بصوم ولا اعتكاف إلا بمسجد جامع رواه أبو داود ولا بأس برجاله إلا أن راجح وقف آخره عائشة رضي الله عنها she narrated and she says that it is sunnah for the one performing اعتكاف not to visit the sick nor to attend a funeral nor to touch his wife with sexual desire nor to have sexual intercourse with her, he should also not go out of the mosque except for an extreme necessity. Or no i'tikaf is accepted without fasting, 
or without being in a congregational prayer. And we will discuss this issue a bit later with regards to i'tikaf. Does it have to be with someone that is fasting or someone that is not fasting? And with regards, does it have to be in a masjid jami' etc. etc. So my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the first point, it is permissible for a person, afwan. This is rather a question that was posed to the Lajna Daima. Is it permissible for the Mu'atakif to visit someone who is sick or to accept an invitation or to attend to his family's needs or to attend a funeral or to go out? To work. They replied, it, the sunnah is that a mu'atakif should not visit one who is sick during his i'tikaf or accept an invitation or attend to his family's needs or attend any funeral or go to work outside the mosque because it was proven that Aisha radiallahu anha said and we read the hadith. This is the fatwa of Lajna Daima. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the ulama, they've gone a bit into detail with this. And they said that a person should not visit the sick, a person should not break his i'tikaf or janazah, etc. However, they said that if it is a necessity, for example, a brother, a sister, they are in i'tikaf. Their mother, their father, a sibling of this. Someone extremely close to them in the family passes away. So here the ulama say they are allowed to go to the janazah and return immediately after the janazah. The same thing for someone that is ill. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant all those that are ill, may Allah grant them shifa. But an example, one of our parents, they are extremely ill, they are in hospital. As people say, they are on their last, they are on their deathbed. And you are in i'tikaf. Someone informs you, your, your dad, your mom, they are not looking very well. Looks like it might be the last. Obviously, this is biyadillah. This is in the hands of Allah Azza wa Jal. Can you go visit them? The ulama, some of them, they say that it is permissible for you to go. Go visit your parents. Go visit someone that is extremely close to you. And return back to the masjid. And Allah knows best. The next mas'ala. Is fasting a prerequisite for i'tikaf? Must I be fasting in order for me to make i'tikaf? An ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, laysa ala al-mu'takifi siyamun illa an yaj'alahu ala nafsihi رواه دار قتني وحاكم وراجح وقفه أيضا The one who is performing i'tikaf This is narrated by Ibn Abbas Does not have to fast unless he obliges himself to do so Meaning he take, took another That he said that I am going to perform i'tikaf whilst I am fasting then he will need to do that. This hadith is narrated by the Imam al-Daruqutni and Hakim, and most probably it is also a saying of Ibn Abbas. And meaning that it is mawkuf and it is not a saying of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There is a scholarly difference of opinion, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, with regards to this mas'ala. Should I be fasting and making i'tikaf? Or can I make i'tikaf whilst I am not fasting? And the rajih opinion, the preponderant view is that fasting is not a prerequisite for i'tikaf and Allah knows best. Imagine my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam who have an elderly man. He's performing i'tikaf throughout his lifetime. And he became ill. Maybe he's a diabetic, he's a heart patient, etc. And he's not allowed, right, according to the 
his doctor, he's not allowed to fast. So they tell this man, sorry that you're not, you're not fasting, you cannot make i'tikaf. So this is why, and this is the view of majority of the ulama, that fasting is not a prerequisite for i'tikaf, and Allah knows best. Moving on, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, to Laylatul Qadr. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He speaks and He mentions Laylatul Qadr in the Quran, and an entire surah is dedicated to this night of power. And Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma anna rijalan min ashab nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam uru laylatul qadri fil manam fil sab'il awakhir faqala rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ara ru'yakum qad tawata'at fi sab'il awakhir faman kana mutahriyaha Ibn Umar, he narrated that some of the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him, were shown in their dreams that the night of Qadr was in the last seven nights of Ramadan. The Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said to them, it seems that all of your dreams agree that the night of Qadr is in the last seven nights and whoever wants to seek that night should do so in the last seven nights. This hadith is muttafakun alayh. It is agreed upon. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, with regards to specifying which night of Ramadan is Laylatul Qadr, then this needs specific evidence. But the odd-numbered nights during the last ten nights are more likely than others. And the night of the 27th is most likely to be Laylatul Qadr because that is mentioned in a hadith. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Aisha radiyallahu anha, she narrated, Anna Rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, تحروا ليلة القدر في وتر من من العشر. She said that the Prophet peace be upon him said, search for the night of Qadr in or during the odd nights of the last ten nights of Ramadan. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we should not be of those that only keep up the twenty seventh of Ramadan. So 21st has gone, 23rd has gone, the 25th has gone, 27th come, alhamdulillah. So now I worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the best of my ability. 29th come, 29th night comes, what do we do? We take a rest. No. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he exerted himself during the last 10 nights of Ramadan and this is what we should be doing. And on the odd nights, we should be doing this even more. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, let us look at the next hadith. عن معاوية تبن أبي سفيان رضي الله عنهما عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال في ليلة القدر ليلة سبع وإشرين رواه أبو داود والراجح وقفه وقد اختلف في تعيينها على على أربعين قولا my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan, may Allah be pleased with both of them, narrated that the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said regarding the night of Laylatul Qadr, that it is the 27th night. This hadith is found in the Sunan of Abu Dawood. And most probably this again, is a saying of Muawiyah radiyallahu an and not a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then the author, Imam An-Nawawi, mentions something and he says, Afwan ibn Hajar, he mentions something and he says, وَقَدِ اخْتَلَفَ That indeed the ulama, or indeed the scholars, the people of this deen they have differed 
with regards to the exact night of Laylatul Qadr. And he says that there is about 40 opinions. Some narration says about 46 different opinions with regards to when he exactly is Laylatul Qadr. Is it on the 21st? Is it on the 23rd, 27th, 25th? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, on this topic of a specific night, one should realize that we should not be going out during these 10 nights. So for example, the 21st came, alhamdulillah, and we worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are maybe some signs that the ulama have given us that it is a calm night, the sun will be a specific color, the water will be sweet, it won't be salty, etc., etc., whatever it might be. And then the next day we come and we're taking pictures of the sun and maybe we live close to the sea and we go test out the sea, etc., etc., and we start going on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on our WhatsApp status, and we said that last night was Laylatul Qadr, etc., etc. What tends to happen? What tends to happen that for the next seven, eight days, we become complacent. And we do not worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to worship Him. And this is a big mistake. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Take each and every night during the last 10 nights that this could be the night of power. This could be Laylatul Qadr. And bi'idhnillahi ta'ala we will see that we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala correctly. The next hadith explains to us and teaches us a dua for Laylatul Qadr. An Aisha radiyallahu anha qalat, Kultu ya Rasulallah, Araayta in alimtu, أي ليلة ليلة قدر ما أقول فيها أي ليلة ليلة القدر ما أقول فيها قال قولي اللهم إنك عفو تحب العفو فاعف عني رواه الخمسة غير أبي داود وصحه الترمذي والحاكم عائشة رضي الله عنها she asked the Prophet ﷺ, If I know what night the night of Qadr is, what should I say during it? He replied and he said that say, Allahumma, O oh Allah, you are the pardoner. You are the one that pardons. You are the one that forgives. And you love to pardon. Yani you love to forgive. So forgive me. Subhanallah. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, have a look at this hadith. Look how short this dua is. Allahumma innaka afuun. Tuhibbul afwa fa'fu anna. Fa'fu anni or fa'fu anna if we make it in a group. That, oh Allah, speaking directly to Allah Azza wa Jal, that you are the pardoner, you are the one that forgives. And you, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you love to forgive. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is waiting for his slave. The only distance between the slave and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with regards to his tawbah is that the slave needs to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, forgive me and Allah forgives you. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us through Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a simple dua for the night of power. Make this dua, oh Allah, you are the pardoner, you love to pardon, so pardon me. If you want to make this dua outside of Ramadan, it's fine, it's totally permissible as well. It's one of the prophetic duas. This hadith also teaches us an important lesson with regards to Laylatul Qadr. Do not spend your Laylatul Qadr, do not spend your Laylatul Qadr, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. And I'm going to use the term, was super praying. 
I need to finish 10 khatams this night. Or this sheikh, he said that you must read this dhikr a thousand times. Or you must do this 50 times. Or I need to stand in salah and I need to read 500 kulu wallahu ahads. 400 kulya iwal kafirun. Do not spoil your night with innovation. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he could have told Aisha radiallahu anha, stand the whole night in salah. He could have told her, recite 10 ajazah of the Qur'an. Make this dua, make that dua. No, he taught her a simple dua that ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to pardon you because Allah, he loves to pardon. So pardon me, O oh Allah. A simple dua. A dua that each and every person can memorize. And this is maybe one of the benefits of this dua as well. That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he kept it extremely simple. And know that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he was jawami'ul kalim. That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he could explain many things in a few words. This was one of the beauties of the Prophet, peace be upon him. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the last hadith of the chapter and this is the last hadith, the final hadith of the chapter of fasting in Buluhul Mara. An Abi Sa'ida Khudri radiyallahu anhu qala, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, la, la tushaddu rihalu illa ila thalathati masajid al-masjid al-haram wa masjidi hadha wa masjid al-aqsa muttafakun alayh. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Abu Sa'idah Khudri radiyallahu anhi narrated that the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he said that one should not undertake journeys except to the three masajid al-Masjid al-Haram which is in Mecca al-Masjid al-Aqsa which is in Palestine or al-Masjid hadha which is where the Prophet sallallahu was which was the mosque of Medina my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam this is an extremely important hadith. The scholars of the standing committee, the Lajnatu Daima, they explain that this hadith means the following. That it is not permissible to travel to a place with the aim of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Except for these three masajid. So I cannot say that I'm going to go to Iraq to a specific masjid because it is the 10th of Muharram or because it is the 12th of Rabiul Awal it is Mawlid I'm going to go to a particular masjid in a particular place and only for that reason no my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam this is what the hadith is explaining <coughs> but as for Masjid Al-Haram as for Masjid Al-Nabawi or Masjid Al-Aqsa then this is fine my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam as well, an important point to take note of and something to look at is that many of the ulama, they also explain that they say that if this hadith is telling us that we are not allowed to go to masajid for specific worship except these three, then the next point is that what about someone that sets out for a journey to visit a grave? Or to go visit pious people? This might be a problem. And this is why the ulama, they have explained to us. And the ulama, they have told us, and this is the ulama, yani the ulama of the past and the present, they've explained, they've explained to us that if someone sets out a journey to go visit a grave, then this is not allowed. And they use this hadith as proof. And many of the ulama of the past held this view as well of the ulama of the present. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is an extremely simple deen. 
The deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a deen based on Quran and Sunnah upon the understanding of the pious predecessors. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us acceptance. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept this little ibadah that we did, that we sat for eight weeks and we recited the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and we tried to learn about Ramadan and we tried to learn about how one can fast and how we can better our Ramadan. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through His divine names and attributes to accept this little effort of ours. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove this COVID-19, this coronavirus from the world as my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam this month of Ramadan is going to be a different Ramadan. Many places won't witness Salatul Taraweeh those community iftars that we have. And this is indeed a sad day. This is going to be a sad Ramadan. But also, think back of the companions in the time of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he came out one night and they made Qiyamul Layl. He came out the second night, they made Qiyamul Layl. My beloved brothers, what happened the third night? When they looked for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he did not come out of his house. And the companions, they went home after Salatul Isha and they made Qiyamul Layl, they made Taraweeh on their own. This is a time to reconnect with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this will be our last Wednesday class as well until after Ramadan, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Also next week and Monday, at half past seven, we will, or I will be having a talk with regards to the welcoming of the month of Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide and protect us. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.